0: on the Hi and welcome to Halfway History, I'm Jonathan
1: And I'm Kylie
0: And this is a show where we talk about the upcoming week, but a long time ago
1: Sometimes not so long ago
0: Yeah, so do we have any updates? I don't I don't either, so let's just jump right into it Woohoo! This is for the week of April 13th through April 19th and today's topic oh yeah this is just gonna be me for today yes (laughs) Uh, today's topic is on april 19th of 1984 nemesis the death star of dinosaurs first appears Ooh. so did you know that there was a theory that we're not alone in our universe but not like not just alone in our universe but also our solar system i did not so I'm not talking about aliens, even though there was a recently declassified video from the Pentagon slash Navy <laughs> seeming to insinuate this as well. Thank you, Tom DeLonge. <laughs> uh, but what I am talking about is that we are part of a binary star system.
1: I have absolutely no idea what that means.
0: Two stars, not one.
1: Oh. why? do Okay. I feel like I've seen something about there being a second star, but it's like such a dim star or something like that, that like...
0: That star that you're talking about is Nemesis.
1: Oh, okay. All right.
0: (laughs) So uh, it seems that a lot of people believe that Sun has a sibling and that it is the dwarf star Nemesis. All righty then. Before we dive in, let's run down a little bit about what we know about the solar system in general. Sun is our star at the center of the solar system. Then we have Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars as the nearest four planets to the Sun. Then we have the asteroid belt that s- contains the dwarf planet series, and past that are Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. Past Neptune, we have the Kuiper belt, which contains many more asteroids and dwarf planets like Makemake, Eris, Humea, and most famously, Pluto.
1: Poor Pluto.
0: Dwarf planet.
1: <laughs> You'll always be a planet in my heart. No. Yes. It's part of the naming convention. It has to be a planet. <laughs>
0: I'm definitely on team Pluto as a dwarf planet.
1: <laughs> I am not. I'm staunchly in Pluto as a planet's corner.
0: Well, one of one of the major categories for even being called a planetary body is it has to be able to clear its orbit, which Pluto Pluto has not done.
1: Oh, I know. I'm fully aware. I just feel really bad for Pluto and think it should just get this one.
0: Well, I think that you should start including Ceres, Makemake, Eris, Haumea also in that count then.
1: All right, sure. That puts us at what? How many planets?
0: Uh, 10, 11, 12. All
1: right, let's go. Yep,
0: 12 planets. I'm good with
1: 12 planets. All the more to explore in like a 1,000 years. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so anyways, the Kuiper belt marks the end of or the start of, depending on how you look at it, the heliopause or interstellar space. The heliopause is where sun's solar winds no longer reach, and it is 12 billion miles or 19 billion kilometers from sun. Yowzers. We have quite a few astronomical units, or AU, between the heliopause and the last objects under the influence of our sun, which is the Oort Cloud. The Oort Cloud is assumed to be 5,000 AU away from sun, which is almost a tenth of a light year. Okay. So... Oort cloud when we start talking about that is very very far away like we even consider stuff between the kuiper belt and the Oort belt as interstellar space even though it's still affected by the sun
1: right and then a light year and that's a tenth of a light year so a light year is just like
0: pfft. yeah
1: all right cool. so
0: remember light year is a distance right of how far light travels In over a, a year yes yeah. okay
1: yeah yeah that I knew. Yes. Space is not my main thing, but that one I knew.
0: I'm mostly going over this for like people who don't know.
1: Well, I'm learning a lot of new stuff, too. So. Okay, cool.
0: So for reference, an AU is equal to the distance from sun to earth. Oh, okay. We are a very self-centered species, after all. So that's um, how we measure things.
1: And that's news? Like, no, not really? at all. Okay. I mean, we
0: do history, <laughs> Kylie, not news.
1: Yes. Well, I mean. Mm. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Quick question. You're saying Ort Space?
0: O O R T Ort okay. Cloud.
1: I definitely because when you put Oort Cloud together, I heard Orc Cloud. And the
0: cloud of like, orcs, the, the space orcs <laughs> ever looming to come in and get us.
1: I mean, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. if like that's what kind of alien species is near us is just terrifying. We would deserve like, that's it. Fine, we would. <laughs> So it's Oort, not Orc. All right. Yep. Cool.
0: So the Oort cloud is going to be where a bunch of the theory that we're going to be discussing kind of resides around or in and figured it would be good for some people to have an understanding of where we were going in uh, before we started this up. Yes. <laughs> so we all know about our solar system. And most of you have known much of that since, you know, much of the foundation of that since elementary school. So- when
1: Pluto was still a planet. hmm I love you, Pluto.
0: So, so where the heck is Nemesis? You would think that we would know that there was a second star in our system, right?
1: Well, n- now that we've explained just how big our system is, no.
0: <laughs> well, when you think about a solar system, it's circular slash disc-like because yeah. we have Sun that pulls on everything. Fair enough. Orbit, All right. We orbit. We orbit around Sun. Hmm. So you would think that if we had a second star, there would probably be something orbiting around it. All right. Fair. Yeah. Fair, fair. Like we have moons more orbiting around the planets.
1: That's true, and we know of those, so like... Yeah. All right, fair enough.
0: It's theorized that Nemesis is either a red or brown star, meaning that it is very cool and by extension, very dark. For reference, red dwarfs are generally just one-tenth the size of sun and around 2,500 Kelvin, which is 4,000 Fahrenheit or 2,200 Celsius.
1: So what is our sun classified as?
0: It is a... Yellow star. I think it's that there's a, there's a, I think it's called the Hirsch diagram. Uh, there's another person's name in there too. But it basically makes like a, you can make a graph that looks kind of like a Y. And our sun or sun, our star, is in the middle of that Y where there's a bunch of medium sized yellowish ish uh, stars. And then there's a branch that's called the Red Giant branch, where stars get very big and very red. So they're cooler, I believe, is what red is. So as okay. they're just very big, but they're cool. So the light spectrum kind of stays the same. The Hertz diagram or whatever it was. God, what was it called? I'll have to look that up at some point.
1: I think that was a fun fact in like our promo episode.
0: It might have been.
1: Because <laughs> wasn't it? A a woman?
0: I don't remember. Now you're going to make me look this up.
1: Hertzsprung Russell? Yeah,
0: Hertzsprung Russell.
1: The HR diagram. Yeah,
0: the HR diagram, Hertzsprung Russell diagram. It shows you the heat and luminosity and size of all observed stars.
1: Hmm. Okay. Okay, so our sun's just kind of like almost smack dab in the middle. Yeah. It's just chilling.
0: Yep. That's cool. when, and I think it also measures like gas giants and something like something like that as well. I don't, I don't remember. Uh,
1: giants, super giants, white dwarfs.
0: Okay, so it's just for stars. Yeah, I think yeah, so.
1: Yeah. Nemesis is not on here.
0: Nope. <laughs> All right. Well, it would be in the the brown dwarf area, which is almost invisible on the uh Hertzsprung Her- Her- Russell diagram. Yeah, it
1: doesn't look like it goes because, like, it has. Like red and then yellow and then white and then blue. I know nothing about space, so this is very informative.
0: Yeah. So on the Hertzsprung Russell diagram, I think the brown dwarfs would be in the very very bottom left quadrant, underneath white dwarfs.
1: That makes sense.
0: So a red dwarf is a little less than twice as hot as needed to melt steel, and is less than half as hot as the as, as sun.
1: So is it is it like the The star that they use in the Avengers to restart the forge to make Thor's new hammer
0: I mean probably i <laughs> i I can't imagine that that was i mean that was probably a white dwarf actually uh, that, well, was, that was in that star.
1: <laughs> I have no idea all I know yeah. is that Thor was able to withstand it
0: absolutely no no way
1: well, he's a god <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: But still, being that (laughs) close to a star. Fair enough. (laughs) So other option for Nemesis would be to be a brown dwarf rather than a red dwarf, which is around 450 degrees Kelvin or 350 degrees Fahrenheit or 176 degrees Celsius. Basically, your oven can get hotter than a brown dwarf. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yes. So that's why it's really hard to tell if brown dwarfs are anywhere. Because like think about it, like if you just turn on your oven to three fifty and then send it out multiple earths away, can you see it? No. Because that's that's, a good that's about the approximate amount of heat and light that a brown dwarf puts off is a, a hot oven.
1: So basically, you're telling me that space could just be jam packed full of these little tiny brown dwarfs.
0: Well, they're not all tiny, well, but they are all cold.
1: It could just be jam-packed full of brown dwarfs. Yes. Just chock-a-block full of brown dwarfs. It could No be. space, just brown dwarfs. Uh, that's
0: very <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> so yeah, that's why we probably have a very hard time knowing if Nemesis is actually around there. Because if it was a red dwarf, we might be able to find it. If it's a brown dwarf... Good luck. They're very hard to find.
1: Like, harder than a needle in a haystack kind of deal.
0: I would assume that space is the biggest of haystacks.
1: Yes. (laughs) And at least a needle's sharp, so, like, you'll get stabbed by it eventually. The the brown dwarf isn't going to do anything to you. Uh
0: Uh-huh. All right. So, if we've never seen it, why do we think it exists? For that answer, we have to go so far and also nowhere at the same time, because the potential evidence for Nemesis can be found right here on Earth. Uh This is where we cycle back to the crazy second part of what my topic was called, which Uh was the Death Star of Dinosaurs.
1: Oh, right. I forgot all about the dinosaurs because I was so focused on trying to figure out what the heck a dwarf star (laughs) was.
0: (laughs) So nemesis believers think that this star is the reason why dinosaurs
1: died. Oh. Oh, well, the nemesis is a finning name.
0: Yeah. Um there's some people who do not believe this and they think that Nemesis should be called companion instead of Nemesis cuz it doesn't actually do anything, but we'll get there.
1: It's just chilling there. I yeah. mean, fair.
0: So it started around 1980 when scientists were discovering that fossils and other geological records were telling a story of cyclical doom of for all life on our planet. And that doom turned out to be kind of consistently every 26 million years.
1: So we're due. <laughs>
0: uh no not oh, yet. okay thank god <laughs> so if mass extinctions were occurring regularly it only seemed natural that there's something that influences the mass extinctions and what could be around millions of years apart that could do something like this
1: something in orbit
0: i was gonna say crocodiles
1: Oh, well, I mean that, too. I, I'm kidding. I, I, I just don't... wanted to
0: cycle back to the crocodile episode from last time. Oh, my
1: God. I, I was going to say, I, I, I don't think crocodiles could cause a mass extinction. As no. impressive and terrifying as they are, I don't think, A, they're capable, and B, I don't think they're motivated enough. No, probably <laughs> not.
0: So, even though the ancestors for crocs and alligators are believed to be about 245 or more millions of years old... It's definitely not the crocodiles.
1: But they are basically dinosaurs.
0: Yeah, and I mean, they've survived if this 26 million year extinction uh, is common. They've survived through quite a few of those.
1: They're rugged little terrifying beasties. Yeah. So
0: anyways, generally the oldest known objects around us are planets and other celestial bodies. And all of these celestial bodies have orbital paths that change our relation to the sun periodically. So it would make sense that there is a celestial mass orbiting the sun every twenty six million years. It could possibly be doing something to disrupt life on Earth, so you were right by saying a a planet he,
1: well, I figured that's yeah. why we were talking about it. Mm. so now, my question is, what is it about it potentially like orbiting past us that causes these mass extinctions because like it's the, potentially like only as hot as an oven, so it's not like it's like creating like heat or something like that to make everything die off and if it were like breaking apart as it goes past us it would be gone like i can't imagine there would be much of it left at this point
0: yeah so we'll we'll get to how it influences okay cool yep just i have a lot of questions (laughs) yes so do any bodies in our solar system currently take 26 million years to orbit no and how far away would a body have to be for that to happen So if we look at our farthest planet, Neptune, not Pluto, Pluto, it takes about 165 Earth years to orbit sun and is about 30 astronomical units away from sun. Scientists have predicted that the object would likely have to be 95,000 AU astronomical units past the edge of the Oort cloud to be able to hit us every 26 million years. Yowzers. Yep. So if we assume that the Oort cloud is about 100,000 AU from sun, this makes Nemesis possibly 195,000 AU from sun. So incredibly far.
1: My brain can not even like wrap my mind around that kind of distance.
0: Yeah. And you can't even really see that kind of distance either because like any map that you look at for like our solar system is probably not to scale because they want you to be able to see it on one page.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
0: But there's definitely, like, two-scale maps that you can find.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like, theoretically, if it had, like, an elliptical orbit that, like, slingshotted it past Earth.
0: Well, it wouldn't move past Earth. Oh, right. It would move things past Earth.
1: Right. Right, 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 right. Yeah.
0: Remember we were talking about earlier how it should have some sort of interference with the solar system if it's there and that
1: big? Yes. Okay, yep.
0: So funny aside when I search Google for how far the end of the Oort cloud is, the answer I got was what I mentioned previously, 100,000 AU, but right underneath it were the words far, far away. <laughs> this was a link from NASA. Did NASA just insinuate that Star Wars is in a, you know, that is in a galaxy a long time ago in a galaxy far, 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 far away? away is not actually all that far far away if they're saying the Oort cloud is quote unquote far far away?
1: Maybe the Oort Cloud is like where Star... Maybe George Lucas is an alien and Star Wars took place in the Oort Cloud and he's just retelling the history once he escaped and made it to Earth.
0: We don't need to question that George Lucas is in fact an alien. There is is no way that he is not. (laughs) But maybe. That circles us back to um, Nemesis being called the Death Star. (laughs) I like it. So, how does this unimaginably far away celestial body affect Earth? So, we have the idea that it is in an elliptical orbit, which is what you were saying, and it is not completely aligned like many of our planets, but on a tilted axis. So, normally the solar system is a flat plane that everything orbits around. And obviously, it's not actually flat, but it's very close to. Mm -hmm. So, the tilted axis would give Nemesis a path that every X amount of years could likely pass through the Oort cloud rather than being around it okay just like the kuiper belt the Oort cloud is also believed to be a large source of comets for our solar system so when nemesis would pass through the Oort cloud it could knock some space debris off kilter such as frozen rocks and careen them towards earth causing them to strike it and causing a mass extinction
1: okay all right all right
0: they also have um there's things that they call centaurs which is really strange but there are horses in space yep <laughs> no, there are horsemen in space. Mm. Um but centaurs are um celestial objects that pass between planets.
1: Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah,
0: so between Jupiter and um Saturn, there are a lot of centaurs of like asteroids that pass through that area. Oh, okay. Well- and that's thought to be done by objects in the Kuiper belt and the Oort Cloud as well. Okay. So the hypothesis that comets from the Oort cloud or Kuiper belt cause mass extinctions is actually even older than any thoughts about Nemesis. And at least we have some data to back that up, because in the 1970s, a geologist from Berkeley, uh, Walter Alvarez, was studying a layer of clay in Italy when he found that it contained large amounts of iridium. Iridium, though naturally occurring on Earth as an impurity found in platinum, is one of the most rare metals on our planet. And finding pure iridium without the influence of platinum is even more rare. Huh. So one thing, though, is that pure iridium is very common in asteroids. Oh. And uh, comets and things of the like. So, given that a layer of clay was that was being studied was from the Cretaceous-Paleogene boundary approximately 65 million years ago. Hey, this, wait. <laughs> yep. Th- this led to the theory that was advanced by um, the previous geologist that I mentioned and his father, Luis Alvarez, that an asteroid had struck at... That time causing months of darkness and wiping out the dinosaurs. So that's why we would see a lot of iridium in the clay layer at that point. I mean, hey. So, with a few different levels of plausibility for the Nemesis theory, you would think that someone would have gone looking for it. We did. And we even started looking for it in other objects like it back in the 80s with the IRAS program, or the Infrared Astronomical Satellite. And it was skimming the stars for infrared objects, which Nemesis would have been if it existed because it was so cold how much light it would be putting out would be infrared or cold and far would lead to us being able to detect it with infrared sensors. Gotcha. So Iris scanned over 96% of the sky at four different infrared bands and in the process increased the number of cataloged astronomical sources of infrared radiation by nearly 70% of what we knew before.
1: Whoa. Which
0: is about 500,000 new infrared sources is what it discovered.
1: So basically, there—that's a lot of really dim stars.
0: Yeah, or other or objects planets? that are giving hmm?
1: planets. Other could be would it be okay?
0: Yeah, a- any celestial body can give off um, infrared radiation.
1: So it could also be like comets or something, or like a meteorite yeah. There's or that there's, kind there's of plenty thing. of okay. stuff
0: that they found. Like I, I think I have in my notes here that like we discovered a lot of the comets that are floating out past like Uranus and Neptune mm-hmm. are, are we discovered using Iris. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it discovered six new comets in our solar system, and it also gave us the first concrete evidence of protostars that form in clouds of dust and gas. So, like, where our theory comes from of... Like
1: the Big Bang kind of thing? Yeah, so, like, the,
0: the Big Bang scattered a bunch of dust, and all that dust grabbed and became, you know, condensed into stars, and stars blow up, and stardust make new stars. So, this is part of how they came up with that theory. Okay, Cool. Yeah. And it also for the first time revealed the core of our galaxy.
1: What is that?
0: Well, I mean like the theory is that um I think they call it the bulge in a lot of places when they talk about um the center of any galaxy, it's called a galactic bulge and it's probably a supermassive black hole.
1: Oh fun.
0: Yeah, so everything's being sucked into it, which is why galaxies spiral. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, eventually there's no no denying that we will get sucked into a black hole in the milky way will disappear
1: i'm suddenly very afraid
0: <laughs> it, that is so many billions of years away do not worry
1: i know but we still. will
0: absolutely cause our own demise before then
1: <laughs> sad but true
0: so data from iris also was used to determine that our galaxy is disshaped and has thick bands of stars spiraling out from its center the discoveries also included several thousand relatively nearby stars that had not been observed before Um, A red dwarf near our system should have been easily detected. It was argued unless it was lying in the direction of our galactic center. In case you were wondering, we can't really see very much in the direction of the galactic center because there's just so much out there. It just gets really dense because everything's coming to a point. And we can still get readings of the area in general and still get results from those readings, but the density of space dust facing the center of of the galaxy is just kind of overwhelming for our current technology. Hmm. Also why if you find like a map of our solar system and the galactic like the milky way galaxy there'll be this like really bright spot right in the middle Mm -hmm. it's just because there's so much stuff where the center is which is kind of ironic because our center is supposedly empty because it's a black hole
1: right yeah everything's just slowly being sucked into it
0: yeah There is also the All-Sky Survey, which was done again from people with Berkeley. Berkeley's been, like, on this for looking for these things, (laughs) apparently. And they used WISE, which was Wide Field Infrared Survey Explorer satellite. This program has used the initial results from IRIS with improved technology to take a closer survey of points of interest that IRIS found... And has even been used in creating one of the maps that, like I was talking about, of our entire celestial sky. Hmm. This data will likely be compiled and used yet again to assist even newer technology to get an even better picture within the next few years with the launch of the James Webb Space Telescope. Which I'm personally super excited for when that launches because I worked on it for a little bit as a mechanical engineer. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that'll be really cool. So now that we've searched literally... Uh, all of the sky that we can for <laughs> our current technology that we can find. <laughs> yeah. It looks pretty much like Nemesis isn't real. Oh. It's just a theory. And many other studies have gone into when Nemesis may have existed and much more of the community agrees that likely sun could have had a companion, but it would have been closer to when it first formed. So likely the remains of that binary companion are long gone and definitely wouldn't be affecting our solar system in the way that it would reliably have an effect every 26 million years Mm -hmm. but who knows what mystery space holds and maybe the james webb space telescope can find nemesis or an object that is causing these periodic max extinctions anyways
1: yeah that would be cool
0: yeah so in the time of covid and making apocalypse calendars with this wacky like month-to-month thing of (laughs) oh now we've got murder (laughs) hornets and now this happened and that happened happened You don't have to worry about adding Nemesis to that calendar, not just because it's not there, but also our last extinction was about 13 million years ago. Great. So that puts us smack dab in the middle of when the next one is coming.
1: So we're good, is what you're telling me.
0: Anyone listening to this is good, unless we end up becoming so popular that we have an insane outreach long after we're dead.
1: That's never going to happen. No, no, no. Podcasts themselves will not survive that long. Yeah,
0: unless some aliens are plucking podcasts out from orbit and keeping them in their storage. (laughs) The
1: archivists of the universe are handpicking which uh, podcasts and radio emissions survive. Exactly. (laughs) I want that job.
0: Yeah. So you don't have to worry about this being our next potential doomsday.
1: Yay. At least there's that. Yes.
0: (laughs) So that's all I have about Nemesis
1: cool yeah
0: okay call to action so you can find us on facebook and twitter at halfwit history you can visit our website at www.halfwit-history.com or you can send us an email at halfwitpod at gmail.com
1: yeah um if you want to send any suggestions for topics comments feedback um we would absolutely love to hear from you um It would just be very nice to know that people are out there listening.
0: Yeah. And, you know, reviews on iTunes or Podchaser (laughs) or anything like that. Yeah. I personally really like Podchaser because anyone can use it. You don't just have to have an Apple
1: device. Yeah. Or download an extra thing like iTunes and stuff. Yeah. um, We would love to have some reviews, ratings. That would be great. Um, Definitely helps kind of put us out there a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And if you want to help us in a way other than reviews, we do have a Ko-Fi, which Mm is ko-fi.com forward slash History.
1: Send us your extra change from the day. I don't know. (laughs)
0: Like Kylie said before, she needs coffee to be able to focus.
1: I need coffee, please. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying.
0: All right. Oh, and thank you to The Fisherman for the use of our theme song, Another Day. You can find their link to their SoundCloud in our show notes. Go check them out. Yeah. Fun facts?
1: Fun facts.
0: You want me to go first or you to go first? I go first. Okay, go.
1: All right. All right. Well, I screenshotted the uh, fun fact that I had. However, I failed to remember to put what day of the month it was Oh, in. no. I'm pretty sure it was April 13th because that's the first day in this week, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, so, April 13th, 1994, asteroid 7373 Takai discovered, and it was named after Star Trek actor George Takai.
0: Did you know I was doing something from space when you picked that? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) So very space themed episode today, because my fun fact is from April 19th of 1982, when Ginnon Bluford was announced as the first African-American NASA astronaut. Woohoo. So lots of space.
1: All the space. The space between.
0: Well, that's been our show. (laughs) As always I've been your halfwit
1: and I'm your historian and we
0: hope you listen next week
1: bye don't name you